Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. This episode is titled Improvising in Comics. It originally aired February 1st, 2022. Guten Tag, comics fans. We are that Silverline show on Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim GK. Joined by uh, Jose Fuentes. Hello. For uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about improvising in comics and how you, how you do that on a working in a comics team and the times where you'll need to do that and maybe some best practices or at least our experience with that. Uh, now, obviously, when you're working on a comic book, unless you are a uh, an artiste and do everything yourself, uh, usually you're probably working on a team. Uh, and usually there's multiple people on that team. Sometimes you might have an indie project where it's just a writer and an artist and, you know, a Kickstarter page. And I think a lot of really good comics come out of that process. But I'll yeah. Hope there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now, uh, but uh, if you're looking at something that's like uh, our size or larger, so far larger, you know, up to Marvel and DC, you might be dealing with four or five, sometimes seven people on a single yeah. book. Uh, just with different roles involved. And the the process itself, the, the the timeline makes sense. You know, the writer writes the book, the editor approves the book, the penciler pencils the book, the inker inks the book, the colors colors the book, letter letters the book, and then the uh, editor hits it with a final stamp. Any revisions need to get done, get done, get done, and then it goes off to the printer, and then off to marketing and everyone else. But if you're uh, used to any sort of creative process, timelines always get scuffed. <laughs> and uh there's usually a lot of moments where you need to take a hard pivot at some point either just within your own process or the process in general so you might talk a little bit about both uh, thankfully not, not well actually no some of my projects have had to take very hard pivots usually the ones that i'm an editor on thankfully not the ones that i'm a writer on. <laughs> um, <laughs> right yeah so the, we're going to kind of get into the, the moments when you do need to pivot or moments when you're working on something and you realize this doesn't work. I need to change something and how you improvise, maybe who you also talk to while you're improvising. And uh, a lot of times, you know, a lot, a lot of people that I've worked with here have been really, it's been interesting because a lot of people will, when they're doing something, they'll, they won't necessarily ask for forgiveness rather than permission, but they will definitely like make the change and then come back and be like, uh, was that cool? <laughs> yeah, so like they'll, they'll present you with both pages essentially. We're like, here's 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 as written. Here's the change I'm thinking. <laughs> like, well, you put in yeah. too many hours in this already, so just do what you think works best. Uh, <laughs> um, so usually, usually the improvisation happens after the writing stage. I'll, I'll, I might talk about you know as a writer the when you're different drafting when you decide like, oh, actually, this thing I beat out is not actually a good beat. Or I, I, there's no way I can write this into a panel. But I'll start with you, Jose. Uh, so either in your own process, just when you're inking a page, and then you realize, like, wait, I need to change something. Or you just do, like, a small edit. Or if something comes, like, you have to make, like, an egregious edit. And, like, okay, we need to pivot everything. <laughs> um, what's kind of been your experience with improvising and, and maybe change, not going according to plan when you're working on a, in a book? I haven't had any do any, like, real major changes. I know that there are times... 
in regards to inking, there are times, there's one time for a fact that I had to redo a panel, right? And it wasn't even my choice to redo the panel. The penciler was like, oh, hey, you know, I here's all the panel, whatnot, here's the page, you know, start inking on it. And then as I'm inking it, I'm already down to the to the last, is the last panel was like, you know, it was the full width of the of the page. And it was just like an up close of a face. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, by the way, I changed that last panel. I got to send you the change of the last panel. I'm like, um, what do you mean? How bad did you change it? And he just like, he just brought it closer. You know, he wanted more emphasis on the eyes, the emotion that the eyes were, or, you know, what the eyes were emoting. And so it wasn't terrible, but like I've had, I've had a, a piece for Silverline that I did that I had a penciler. I sent him the inks. And he was like, oh, hey, uh, we I'm going to change this a little bit because I don't like the way that looks. And I'm like, I've already inked it. Mm. He's like, yeah, but how quickly would it be for you to change it? I mean, I guess not that hard. I could change it depending on how far you're doing it. I made a couple little tweaks here and there. So it wasn't terrible. All I had to do was like, for the most part, I had to just shift things around a little bit, shift mm. my inks around digitally. And it worked out pretty good. But I've been the guy that like when someone's like, oh, hey, we need a inker to jump in quickly and ink this in like how fast can you do it and i'm like uh when, when do you need it it's like mm -hmm. we need it and are you, you we need it traditionally i'm like oh it's gonna take me a little bit longer but i i mean i can get it done but like i've had that uh for a friend of mine uh from indiana that i had to help him out with okay and um i've watched as a friend of mine kind of uh ghost penciled for another penciler as he was trying to work on his book it was just like he had to do other stuff. Like he was trying to do as much of it as he could by himself. And he was just falling behind his own personal deadline. So he asked him to step in, which was really neat to watch somebody else do that. Yeah. But like as for like major stuff, I haven't had to like cut a panel off yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it sounds like more so you've been the guy that they go to when they make the pivot. Not the yeah. same person gets pivoted yeah. on. Yeah. Not, not that I'm fantastic, but you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty pliable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I can I can swerve, but oh, uh, like digitally, have... digitally it's easier to do it, you know. Yeah. I mean, if I have to like throw out a panel and you know get sent another panel, it's a lot easier to do it digitally because then you just lasso the whole thing, get rid of it, and add the new one in real quick. Sure. So I mean, it works out a lot easier. Not quite so easy to do traditionally. <laughs> Perfect. But like, thankfully, the the artist sent me the panel, and I was able to like to ink it separately, and then I just scanned them both in and, and pieced them together. Okay. So, like, thank you, computers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in your own personal process, it may be a little different, you know, than maybe a penciler because uh, when a penciler has to improvise, they might just the editor like or go back to the writer or the editor and say like, "Yeah, this thing you wrote physically does not work in space." <laughs> um, but uh, as an inker, I imagine that some of your like personal pivots are probably when you're you're drawing a line or you're doing an effect or something, then you realize. I hate how this looks. I'm going to redo do all this. <laughs> I I have done that. You okay. uh, I, I hate doing it because I did, I worked on a book. I was doing digital inks on that one too. And I did not have the best computer doing it, running photo, Photoshop or running Illustrator. Sure. And I would stay up to like, I'd start working at like when my kids went to bed at like eight o'clock at night, you know, seven, eight o'clock. And I'd go until like four o'clock in the morning and I'd be so tired. And I know the rule is always safe, but you know, when you're in a role, you really don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there working, I'm working, I'm like, I got this whole page done. I got like 
nice details and all like just it looks really nice. I'm so happy with it. And all of a sudden, crash! My computer goes blue screen. I'm like, no! <laughs> I I literally had to redo a page five times, like the Jeez. same page five times. Evidently, I can't learn after the last one. <laughs> but like then, I had to like improvise, like because I needed to get it done. Like at by that time, I was like, okay, I really got to like speed through it now. Like I was. I didn't take my time on it. Like I was like, my lines were clean. My lines were good and, you know, steady. And, you know, I didn't have any tangents, but by that point, I'm just like, I just want to get it done. It's so like, I had to rush through it, but I feel you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So, so yeah, I for the most part, I, I try my best to, to work it out, like without having to go back to it. There are times I've, I've ran not thinking and I'm sitting there uh, inking and then I, for some reason, I started right to left as opposed to left to right because I'm right-handed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you ink, if anybody doesn't already know, when you ink, you want to ink away from the direction that your your arm works, mm -hmm. right? So, like, you want to work preferably left to right or spin your paper around. You know what I mean? But always always work left to right so that you're not smearing your ink, which is, I, to me, is pretty obvious. But not thinking, I found a spot that I really liked. I wanted to ink that in first. And I kept going. And then I turned around, did something, talked to my kids, answered something, got a drink. And they came back. It was like, oh, man, like smear a black line. Of Gosh, dang it. Like, how am I going to fix this? It's like, thank you, what, pro white. But, <laughs> but it doesn't look that good. I'm like, I mean, it's a good thing I'm scanning this in because I'm going to scan it in. I'm going to clean it up. Like yeah, yeah. that way because you can definitely tell like anybody anytime you put pro white on something it, it doesn't matter you're gonna see you're gonna tell it's pro white just, until just, you go online and like did or not online but like digitally clean that up white white expunge tool just kind of dot <laughs> right. that in yeah but yeah that's really like for me that's the only only really thing that i do like if i have to like change stuff around or like if I messed up on my line, my my line or line weights, and mm -hmm. I, I you know my line came off way. It's like, well, this line is about to become some Chris Pacello, uh bold line. Now. <laughs> <laughs> like I did that on purpose. That was the plan. It's, it's like it's the uh, the same rule that goes in jazz. If you hit uh, if you hit a bad like note once, it's a mistake. If you hit it multiple times, it's a choice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that logic makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the, so something that's kind of a blind spot for me, cause I, I don't deal with, uh, any of these in, in this space at least. Um, but, uh, the next step after the inker would, uh, in most cases be the colorist. Right. If it's getting colored. If it's getting colored. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, have you done any, uh, much work on black and white comics or has it been mostly the, the more contemporary colored ones? Oh, I've, I've done black and white comics. Too. Okay. Yeah, I actually kind of I, I enjoy them. Like I, I think I like color better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean anybody really likes color better, I think. Yeah. But I love like my favorite like genre of story and comic book are noir stories. Mm. You know I mean? Like even like I said, yeah. I, I think I said it before, like the old uh the old uh Cagney movies, yeah. you know, private detective, stuff like that, like black mm. and white. Just that just I love those stories. Like yeah, yeah. I could sit there and watch a movie about it. I could read a book about it. I could read a comic about it. It's just it's so appealing to me because you're setting it's a plot. I mean, there are plot devices in those particular stories that like kind of crescendo up and then come yeah. down and crescendo up and just kind of keep building up and up, mm -hmm. you know, until like the big reveal. And then you're like, yeah. I didn't know that. Like, holy cow, like yeah. and then especially when it's like, you know, 
not quite so funny, but like more dramatic version of like Clue, like the movie yeah, Clue. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? We're like the plot connected this and this and this and this all together. You're like, oh, I did not realize the spider web went out that far. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I, I, I love Noir too. Obviously, my uh, Wolf Hunter is very heavily uh, Noir inspired. I said it's uh, like uh, Murder on the Orient meets Tiger Taylor Soldier Spy. Yeah. Um, but uh, the um, my favorite book is also uh, uh, I, I recommend this to everyone. Uh, do I have it down here? I do. Without a doubt, this is my favorite book of all time. It's Kind of a lesser known. I think this is like his only book, but it's uh, Gun with Occasional Music. It okay. is a uh, gene punk noir murder mystery. Uh, so it's in a weird alternate future uh, where animals are being like forcibly evolved to levels of sentience. Interesting. And uh, the written word is outlawed. So. Uh, all news and media is conveyed through music. That's cool. Yeah. I wrote that down. I'm going to look that up. It is dark and hilarious and thrilling. There is a lot of... I'm going to need to reread this actually soon. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the humor that is put into that book and just injected into the weirdest scenes is absolutely fantastic. Um, Yeah, one uh, of my favorites is Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. Mm. Yeah, the other name and ten little Indians. Yeah, yeah. And that was a murder, murder story. Like that yes. was fantastic. That's very good. Uh, so I remember, I remember zooming through that. Like, uh, our, my teacher gave it to me in high school. Like they were trying to clear out some of the old books that they had, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take one, no problem." I just met Agatha Christie. I'm like, can't be that good. But I picked it <laughs> up, dude. And I did not put it down. Yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. Uh, uh, Shelley Christie, like, um. Honestly, like some like the like, uh, like traditional like uh, woman writers who like really kind of got like the fiction, like have, have really done like some of the pinnacles of what I think like fiction is. Um, uh, I've honestly, uh, oh, who's that one that did? Um, oh, come back to me. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, I'll, to, yeah, I'll come back. Okay, but anyway, uh, so working uh, either in black and white in your next step is going to be the letterer, uh, unless, you know, the writer might go back and, and letter it themselves. But um, in that step, uh, uh, making a pivot or improvising, or coming back and rechanging something or improvising something might be a little weird, but um have you ever gotten any moments where kind of from that step on you have to improvise something or get a note back from either the letter or the colorist saying like uh uh what do we do with this choice here or why why is this this way set up or um you said you haven't really had to make any like hard pivots yourself going forward so you probably haven't had to like you know <laughs> redo any entire panels but have you had anything back where kind of like a slight change going from that point forward well i haven't I don't think I've had people bring it back to me, but I've had to uh, do that with lettering that, that I've mm. done Okay, uh, where I've had to like, Hey, um, I don't know if we can fix this panel or not, but if we can't, like, I'm going to have to cover this up and this up. I know that these are things like literally they're in the script. Like you made a point of pointing out, if, if you make a point of pointing out in the script, that means you want that 
to yeah. be seen. That's my logic when I read a script. That's mm-hmm. also my logic. Any, any scripts I've written is like, if yeah. I write it in there, then it's, it's in there for a reason. And so like, sometimes you're like, Hey, if I don't do this, I'm going to cover up the head. I was like, so uh, I did lettering for a story for an anthology and they had, it was like Grant Morrison or sorry, not Grant Morrison, but uh, Neil Gaiman uh, dialogue. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. ba- banter back and forth. I'm like, listen, you want me to put lettering to leather this big panel. I'm going to have to like do it on the sides and like alternate between the cliff that they're sitting on. I'm like, that's the only way I'm going to do it without covering up the, the amazing art that's on here. And it was like, well, let me see it when you're done. I was like, all right. And so I did it. It's like, adjust this and this. I'm like, okay. Like it's easier to do it. I think as a letter because usually to me anyway, I save the files when like my word balloons and my tails are, you know, before they're connected, before they're merged, right? I'll save the file so that if I have to, I can go through and adjust it and tweak it, you know, move it how I need to. Otherwise, I got to make entirely new word balloons, which isn't hard. It's just time consuming. Yeah. But I've had a situation like that, like, and I try not to do that. I try, like, I try to work it out myself. Mm-hmm. But like, there are certain like. Uh, the artist wants to have to draw the big fight scene in there and it looks fantastic right. but like you've left me this much room to like freaking put word balloons in <laughs> so like the dialogue that you have i was like you gotta you gotta like cut me a little slack right. like thankfully that's, i haven't been yelled at yet so that's good yeah that is uh with the the uh uh the christmas special of wolf hunter that was the thing that i i kind of worried about uh this the when it went to thankfully i'm a fan of the establishing shot yeah like, we're gonna have a big visual piece maybe keep it like minimal bra- like minimal balloons or minimal like um uh blocks but <laughs> the captions there was a uh the moments were like in the christmas show where we had limited space so i'm like all right we're gonna just make this as dense as possible and meanwhile the establishing shot with the photorealistic recreation of the interior of St. Martin's in the field. Yeah. <laughs> that's the entire panel. I was like, the letterer is going to not know what to do with any of this. I mean, as a as an artist, I'm kind of surprised Quentin didn't go there and punch you in the eye. <laughs> yeah. I know. As I was just expecting, you know, like maybe we'll like vag out the lines, like, you know, it was like something like like just get the major details. Like there's a pontiff, there's a, a chandelier maybe a little bit of something that's being glass and just like, you know, block out, like, there's these black rows of people in the pews, and Quinn's like, no, I'm just going to do this entire thing. (laughs) 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 Getting also the, like, accurate, like, I think he, I think he referenced a photo of the exterior of the BBC after it was bombed, and that was like, so we have to cut to the BBC the, what it looked like with the, the hole in the exterior of it. I thought that was wild. That was cool. I, man, I, I've seen. I mean, obviously, I have the book, but I saw the pages to those before they were finished, and just I can't even tell you how. Like, just I don't want to say amazed because Quentin's an amazing artist, but yeah. like I was just just looking at it, just like whoa, you know what I mean? Lowndes QCC. Yeah, that was the man. Um, that was the thing where, like, as a writer, I needed to pivot and like redo my captions on my dialogue <laughs> to match that quality. I'm like, okay, I'm right. going to, like, I'm just going to read a lot of Neil Gaiman. There's a lot of like, uh, um, uh, Poirot books and just like trying to like get as much as that vibe going right now. So, as a writer, <laughs> how often, do you, like, 
you write a story, you know what I mean? You get it written out, the script written out. You're like, oh man, this, this, they're telling me what I wanted to tell. It's saying what I wanted to say. And then you get the art. How often you're like, oh, hmm, I might have to pull that back a little more. Um, <laughs> like, that, how many, how many times have you had, I mean, not numbers, yeah. I don't need the numbers, but how often do you feel you have to like uh, go back and revise just to make it fit with the art that you've seen? Cause obviously you write it before the artwork comes along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that happened uh, with uh, that happened a, a, a little bit actually with Wolf Hunter, the Christmas special in particular. Um, the first issue actually has been uh, like that's that's chugged along without me for a while. It has been like just speaks to like the quality of the team I've ever written on there. Uh, now I'm providing uh, a lot of feedback with. Um, uh, my artist, uh, the colorist Martin, and he he gets exactly the same vibe. He's like, "This is a French comic with a lot of Poro." I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he, it, it looks like a French comic, and I absolutely love it. Um, but uh, with uh, all the time when you're on budget, yes, um, right. <laughs> uh, like, when, when you get the art like, back, you're like, "All right, we're going to uh, pre-sales in a month." They're like, "All right." <laughs> The lettering is easier to change than art. Um, right. Uh, the uh, the major change actually where I had to pivot my writing back around the art was uh, originally the church in uh, the Christmas special was going to be St. Augustine's because that was the largest Saint, uh, Christmas mass in, I think this is 1940. 1940, 1941, St. Augustine had the biggest Christmas mass until it was destroyed. Right. Um, but... Uh, every major uh, uh, Catholic or Protestant church in England had a Christmas mass uh, because they wanted to show the Germans that they were afraid, despite the fact that immediately afterwards they went back into their bunkers and did not go to their that's homes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that. Was, so that was, that's kind of a weird, like, funny thing to think about. Like, you literally like inside of bunkers, uh, like eleven months out of the year, December hits. Uh, they start doing puppet shows in the squares again. Uh, the winter markets are open again, and they start doing uh, the midnight mass on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and it's like the, the very interesting thing. Um, Inspires hope, man. It, it does, yeah. That's it's really kind of the um, you know, and uh, when you think about it, like uh, essentially everyone at the time was in some way mobilized because if you're a man, if you weren't serving, you're probably working in a factory. Right. Uh, if you're a woman, you were either working in a factory or taking care of, uh, you know, kids that uh, worked your yeah, own. Say other people's kids yeah. so they can go work in the factory. Or you were, or you got the uh, the one week certification they offered at the time to become a nurse. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was, everyone was doing something. Um, but, you know, when you actually like, all right, we're taking a month to actually have like a proper holiday that I feel like that actually did quite a bit for the morale of England at the time. Um, but, uh, so the problem is, uh, no one, I, I can't, there's no precedent for it too. Like there wasn't any official like statement from like the diocese or something saying you couldn't take a, photo- a photograph of the inside of, uh, St. Augustine. There is no photograph of the inside of St. Augustine between the 1930s and 1940s. <laughs> That's interesting. So we're like, Okay, how do we reference this? I'm, I'm like, I told him, I'm like, well, you can improvise if you want to. He's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, uh, other big church at the time. Uh, I'm like, okay, uh, in this part of London, the other church that made sense to have Christmas Mass is St. Martin's in the Field. They had one, it was fairly reasonably sized, uh, and it was also very close to uh, a bomb shelter. So uh, 
those were the ones where like it's very much like if they're going to have like um uh, the BBC broadcast I believe what we 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 pivoted BBC broadcast because the BBC broadcast was from St Augustine's we put in St Martin's but if the anyone creative liberties going back and referencing the like previously broadcast of the midnight mass from 1940 they're already a very well-paid world or two historian and they can they can do whatever they want um <laughs> <laughs> no one else is going to catch it um, right uh the uh the uh so we changed that was like a major change we're just going to change the entire location everything else is going to stay the same but we're just changing the location um uh, on the flip side of that, um, I had to provide the colorista pivot uh, because they had done the they had made that scene daylight, and um, <laughs> I'm like like well no it's it's the midnight mass this is about I call it midnight mass but it's like ten thirty at night so <laughs> uh, it's it's still dark out though right so that was that was that was the change order right on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I've had that that too. Yeah. Coloring a book, I, like I drew them in the. There was a desert scene of fighting. Uh, it's a western. They were digging out this like big crystal, mm. and I drew it. And I put like I took out any line work that was in the background, and I, I threw in like I rendered clouds in there. He's like, "That looks really good." I was like, "Oh, thank you," but it's nighttime. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like there's that big thing in the sky on the like this next page is the moon. I did not get that for some reason. Like I I looked at the pages. I always look through the pages first. Mm-hmm. I just it did not click that that was the moon for some reason. So I'm sitting there coloring it in. I'm like, oh okay, well I mean I could go in there like change the saturation or whatever. And like I still had clouds and stuff like that, but I definitely changed it and flipped it to make it look like nighttime. I was like, hue <laughs> shift blue. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much clean up the clouds a little bit. And it was good to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the 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 other big ed, uh, pivot I had to do as uh, an editor. See, I always count this like a as an well. Uh, like probably actually the biggest pivot was like one having a book that just switched writers entirely. Like they did the first issue and they had to leave. I'm like, all right, we got the issues to go. <laughs> <laughs> Like we're, we, we sign off for that. We got the artist there for three more issues. Uh, wow! So we're like, oh, I guess we're finding a new writer. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got the we got the writer's permission to like their go ahead. So they're cool with it. They like understood, but it's just like, hey, uh So the creative vision behind this has been changing drastically, right? <laughs> so and it, sometimes, sometimes you can see that in a book. You know yeah, what I mean? like you can. It may still have the same artist, but like you can. Probably not me. I don't think I can say very often that I've recognized that. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like when you see that all of a sudden, like mm-hmm. if you don't pay attention to like the writers, you know, it tells you who the writers are. But if you don't pay attention, it's like, and you see the writer change right in the middle yep. of a storyline, mm-hmm. like you can tell. Like yeah. someone you can really tell. That's a thing too. Like with, um, I think it also in comics it does come across more clearly than it would like in a you know in the TV show. Changing writers is actually pretty common from season to season, right? Uh, but you know the the choices the actors make, it's still the choices the actors make. But uh, in a comic, you don't have actors making choices; it's just the everyone playing off of each other. 
but the dialogue is where they are like all the it's all the writer pretty much yeah uh, is gonna do like change the way that like like impacts the page but it's up to the writer to you know create the accents um the tone and voice the frequency of which dialogue is used what to, what style of captions the, the biggest thing is seeing like how they do interior thoughts are the interior thoughts thought bubbles or are they captions right I'm a fan of thought captions. I know some people like doing thought bubbles still, but it feels very antiquated. <laughs> I think if, uh, I mean, it that's different, right? Like if it's captions and it's it's pretty much a narration, right? I mean, For, it, yes, yeah, true. Uh, but here are some things where uh, I got I got popularized by Marvel, but DC started doing it in an image where if someone has is having a thought, you'll have a a caption with like their face on it, essentially. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 Marvel. Yeah. I know. I noticed that Marvel did that. So, actually, you're right. DC did that too because they they did it for uh, was it? I think I remember Batman, Robin, or no, Batman, Superman, Batman, Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. did it. You know what I mean? They would have like when they were talking, and there was like the dialogue back and forth where Batman was like first he was like kind of singing Superman's mm-hmm. praises, and no, no, he was he was like saying he knows better, da 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 da. Batman, and then all, all of a sudden Superman's saying almost the exact same thing, but from him it's coming off as positive about yeah. about Batman. It was interesting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that. Like I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah it's definitely interesting, but uh, but you'll 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 notice those changes. Like oh, the the writer has has changed, <laughs> right? Yeah, one of the times I noticed it. Like I don't usually, like I said, I don't usually notice that in TV shows mm-hmm. much. But like I, one of the times I clearly noticed it was uh, the show Heroes when oh, yeah, all, yeah. all of a sudden, like halfway through one of the seasons, that was the writer strike happened, and mm-hmm. you can tell, like yeah, you know, but I was like, wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is no longer Union, I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like after that i was like oh okay like i'm gonna pay attention now to like what people say or how things storylines and plots go along yeah. because like that was a big enough change that like i don't normally notice things like that because normally i'm like entertain me i want to be not like not like you know like i'm a pharaoh or anything but like yeah i go to the movies regardless of if it was based on a comic or not i go mm-hmm. to the movies to be entertained you know what I mean? yeah. that's what i'm paying for it's not just the popcorn and so i don't care how bad a movie is like there are people like I mean, Justice League was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. If anybody loves Justice League movie, the one in the theater, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. It was, but I was entertained with it. Like it mm-hmm. was a bad. It was kind of bad, but I I was entertained. I sat there. I was like, this is cool. Yeah. Like yeah. I would not have done that that way, but I'm entertained. That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's why I was uh, was the last really dumb action movie I thought. Oh, I was. Uh, who to go see the Meg? Uh, the movie with Jason Street. The shark. Yeah, the shark. <laughs> <laughs> that was a movie where, like we were watching. Like this is incredibly stupid. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> there are movies that are like that. That like yeah. there are movies my wife likes that I don't like. Like one of the ones she loves, loves, and loves to watch is Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah, I can't for the life of me watch that movie. Yeah, I, like, I've I, watched I, it. I've watched it a few times. I still moments in there that I laugh. I love Uncle Rico. He's my favorite. Oh yeah, just because he's the biggest jerk there. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite, but I can't sit there and watch it like she does. Yeah, 
uh, growing up with a bunch of weird people in like a more rural part of Oregon, like watching that movie, you're like, oh, this is like, I relate to this too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's too close to home. We're getting, getting I, I do love it still, but it was, it was scenes where like, like, let's see, like watching, um, uh, Portlandia and to some extent, Letterkenny. Uh, I was like, no, I, I understand all of these. <laughs> I keep, I was told, I keep being told I need to watch Letterkenny. It's, it's really funny. It's a good time. Yeah. That's what I'm told. I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it. It's just, I don't know. It's something new. Like right now, I can't watch anything new. Mm. I have um, colors that I did for uh, for um, the anthology with Peter. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got inks to do for uh, for obsoletes. And if I sit there and watch something new, I can't really work. Yeah. I don't know how how Aaron plays video games. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, that's just amazing to me. Yeah. Like, wait, you sit there and play video games? I like, know he does it like, he says he does it like on, on uh, during load screens and like, right. And you know, our, the, our current game, like, scenes. yeah, current game is Halo and like, I'm in and out of matches so quick. That game is like, match weekend is on it. So like, I can't, like, I have no type of work during that. Right. Um, but yeah. No. Uh, for me, um, watching anything new, I get the, um, I'll get influenced by the voice by that, and then I'll immediately want to do something, you know, taking inspiration from that. I'll immediately have ideas of, like, how could I make this my own? Right. So, like, um, if I'm, you know, working on Wolf Hunter, Prince, all I did is watch World War II and, like, like spy movies and um, See, not, like, I get mysteries. That. Like, uh, my current thing, which um, uh, I'm currently waiting on notes back on to get back to my uh, artist, uh, it was nothing but, like, Roman mythology and space epics, which is it's a it's a concept. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, I guess the uh, <laughs> uh, bring it back. Other thing I want to talk about. Um, the, the main thing I, I do to pivot as a writer, though, uh, I guess kind of same thing is uh, changing dialogue from uh, either because I'll notice I'm starting to take too much of one tone or another, or I'll finally understand the voice by like the back third of, yeah. of the book. I'm like, all right, now you know how you redo all the front. Um, I totally get that. Yeah. Really. Uh, but the, the biggest way of it is, going, is always going to be from, I always do. Um, I, I'm a big pre-writer because I understand like, that's just the way. I, I like having the roadmap. Uh, I know that I'm going to change it, but at least I have something there. So I can just, if I'm having like a weird, day where like i can't really like I, if i'm not writing well the words aren't wording correctly uh i can just kind of you know regurgitate things i've read in the dictionary until i get to the next point and call it <laughs> right uh so i will do a um essentially i do it like uh um kevin hearn did a great breakdown of like how he writes a novel so i i, I brought from that but also it's the same way that you would write a tv show essentially where you do your 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 beat chart, which is going to be um, for me. I break it down for a beat every three pages or so. Um, okay. if, if I'm working novel, it's going to be like every three thousand words, um, and then uh, I'll essentially treat those like chapters, uh, and then I'll do a next stage, which is okay, breaking that breaking those down further into page by page. What do those look like? And then from there, I'll just start scripting. So essentially, I do a Marvel script in my pre-writing. Right. Yeah. Do you yeah. Uh, do you uh, break it down? Do you do it? 
I know, I know some people, well, my daughter, I say my daughter, my daughter, mm-hmm. um, she breaks it down backwards. Mm. Right? She knows where she wants to end for the chapter. She basically yeah. knows where the chapter starts. You know what yeah. I mean? Especially when she's going from one chapter to the other. Obviously, she already knows what the start is. Yeah, yeah. But I want this chapter to have this cliffhanger here, mm-hmm. and then she breaks it down backwards. Yes, I'll I'll do that sometimes. I'll I'll, I'll I, I break from the point of highest impact. So, uh, with um, uh, Wolf Hunter, I I wanted to have you know I wanted I wanted to be a slow cook. I want to be like like a like a just like a a dry rub sizzle, right? So the high impact is actually going to be at the very end, at the very beginning. The the middle is going to kind of, which also why a lot of people don't like it more. But I, I love it because I want to have the saying like that the slow violin playing in the background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so I knew like okay, it's going to start with a bang here. So from there, and then I know. Uh, I'm going to kind of how does that bane eke out and affect other things around it going right, forward? It's the Godfather buildup. Yeah. Or if I know, okay, this person's going to do there, and we're going to think that they're the killer, or we're going to have uh, an attack here. Uh, how do we um, throw shade on them, or how do we throw shade somewhere else and just kind of trickle that backwards, uh, putting that throughout that point? Uh, so issue two, I essentially wrote almost all backwards, um, because I knew, uh, uh, how that was going to uh, end essentially before I knew what the middle is. And then issue two was also another pivot because we had to redo the entire front third, um, because it didn't have the right bang. And so uh, Roland gave me a note, and we essentially turned it into uh, what I call the Tom Cruise moment, uh, which uh, Dean Zachary did. Uh, it's already kind of been spoiled a little bit because Dean Zachary has, did the alternate cover that will be available through the Kickstarter when issue two um, launches, uh, which it, we're, we're, we might be launching issue one soon here, um, where uh, it turns into a fight scene on top of a train nice. uh, with using prop weapons. Uh, and so that happened. That was the that that thing I wrote. Uh, like that scene is the one I I, I wrote. Uh, uh, like a day before I turned it in and started working on issue three. <laughs> it was like nice. the, the first. That's like the start was the last thing that got touched on issue two. Uh, so uh, I'll uh, but uh, issue one has a very intense bang. Um. I think we actually have some sample pages for that I might be able to show at the end of the show. That and so from issue one, I wrote forward; issue two, I wrote backwards, and then issue three, uh, the bang is actually in the middle. So that one, I kind of did a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Like I know my I did a um, when I first decided to do comics and do my own thing. I wrote uh, my own superhero comic, mm-hmm. and I started that one with key points backwards you know what i mean yeah yeah i know i wanted to have like that heroic pose at the end like Mm -hmm. so he's not standing on a rooftop and whatnot but how did he get there and i went back to like you know i went back to like telling his his origin real quick like just a real quick of his origin and then back to the beginning how did he have to explain his origin he was explaining it to a therapist you know Mm. while he while he's uh, uh, he basically got baker acted so like, okay. while he's stuck in this in this like uh, you know mental facility, being questioned whether or not he you know he's insane or or whatever, mm-hmm. you know um, 
he got there because he's a high school kid and you know the jocks beat him up you know what i mean and then at that point he decided to manifest his electric powers and just started taking people out. <laughs> but yeah like I, I i worked that one backwards and then i scripted it forward you know what i mean after i yeah. knew the key points that i wanted yes. and how i led back to it but like even that like um i i had to to improvise stuff for that one too mm-hmm. because when i wrote it out i wrote it like after i went back and like laid everything out i, I scripted it and then after i scripted it i paneled it like on the side of the paper you know what i mean like oh yeah, yeah. this panel look and then uh, i was like okay that's not that's not right that doesn't mm-hmm. look right that doesn't flow into like the next mm-hmm. page the way it should it kind of it's kind of like a leap so I, I had to like change the script to be able to, to fit a yeah. better panel layout you know what i mean in regards to like between between pages and then when i first did it i, I didn't even consider page breaks so like page one is going to be its individual page right and you yeah. don't you don't want the story to flow from page one to page two where you want you want it to be like oh now i want to turn the page right yeah as opposed to moving through one and two you wanted to move through two and three and then like make them want yeah. to flip to the next page like i didn't realize that when i first did it so then i had to go back and fix that like mm-hmm. i think i ended up redoing the script like four times nice but yeah. you know first time running a script for myself so yeah the the first uh the well, the first things i wrote and published were flash fiction so those things were easy because it's literally just like a thousand words and if you, you there's only so, only so much room you need to change when you're when you're wiggling on those but i remember going straight from that into writing my first novel length project and the amount of like getting like all right thirty thousand words in I hate all this. I know I'm going to do the pivot going forward and I'll change front, finish the 50,000 words. And like, all right, I have, we started on a novel, go another like 20,000 words, finish it. All right. So this is going into the in progress folder. I'm going to <laughs> rewrite it all from scratch. Cause now I know what the story is. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I was like, Oh, I need to be much more intense with my outlining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, it's the uh, and with, with writing something like that, like, you know, if, if you're pivoting a comic at some point, like you can, you can get to point where, like, okay, I'm going to commit to the panel structure. The artist can just work on that, and then I'm going to change the dialogue as needed. Uh, but if you're writing a novel, it's it's all on you, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, all right, well, I need to change all the words. That's something I I, I can't see myself doing just because, like, I don't know. It seems it seems huge. Like seems yeah. so much bigger than I am to like write a novel. But my daughter sat there and she was writing short stories like in junior high. Nice. You know what I mean? And she yeah. loves it. And that's what she does. She's like, Oh dad, I, I wrote these many, these many words. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you telling me? It's like, mm-hmm. well, I, you know, I went to work and I got out of work and this is, I went to the computer and I wrote this many words for the day. Is that a lot? Like I know finishing a whole page is a lot for me. Yeah, like that's that's you know in one day that's that's I mean I think that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to finish, ideally, finish a page a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. It takes me longer than that. But like, if I actually like finish a page a day, I'm like, yes, right day, on. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you stand outside in the in the you know in your mm-hmm. yard and neighbors go by and they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. I finished the page. <laughs> right. But yeah, like she and then my, then I realized after she was doing it 
that one of my friends, Nick, uh, was posting online. Like he'll do like at like a month, um, like a tally for the month or something like that. Like yeah. I wrote these many words this month, which yeah. is this many words more than the month before. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So like, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that like you keep tally of the words that you count. Like then you were mentioning it earlier and I was like, yeah. oh, that's not just my weird friends. That's everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, it's some people like, some people are motivated by our hard work, hard word count, like a metric. I, I'm, I'm hit or miss on it. I, I, I use it more so to gauge the, the structure of the story. Okay. But uh, yeah. Um, that makes sense. With, yeah, with noveling, it's, uh, they did the breakdown because with comics, you know, you have, yeah, like newsprint, 22 pages. This is your metric. Right. Um, when then the amount of panels can get like wishy washy in there, depending on what you're doing. If you're doing, uh, uh, something a bit more artsy or a bit more like, uh, different, you might do like, you know, a page or if you're doing like a, a hero comic you're looking more three to five right um but with, uh when you're writing like just prose it's uh it's pretty much all word count so your word count is going to be uh because you can get printed in so many different formats so if you're like uh a like double bound hardback um you're going to have a lot more words on a page than if you're a uh like po- uh pocket size mass paperback so uh, the best metric to keep track of it is just word count. And on average, 50,000 words is the typical novel length. Okay. Like yeah. the complete full yeah. novel? Yeah. So some places, some go over that. You end up seeing now like a lot of like main sell, make mainstay novels are about 100,000 words, which is double length. But uh, for the most part, a lot of um, things fall between 50,000 and 100,000 words. How many words are in Dune? Oh god, that's a uh, big book. That's a big book. Let's see. They, they, and also, publishers do track them. So for a lot of cases, um, you can't actually get the word count from the publisher. Uh, Dune's word count is one hundred and eighty-one thousand four hundred ninety-three. Holy cow! So it's like quadruple, <laughs> or tri- right? triple, 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 quadruple. Yeah. Holy cow! But other other word, uh, I think I can't believe I read that. Yeah, no. Dune Messiah word count. I Dune Messiah seventy two thousand four hundred forty nine. Yeah, so the because the, the rest of the Dune series is much shorter. I was gonna say, isn't that smaller? Yeah, yeah. a smaller book. Yeah, a lot, a lot of like the rest of the Dune series is a lot is is much more in that typical like size. But Dune is well, Dune is also a weird case because Dune, uh, speaking of pivots, uh, was originally written for a periodical. Uh, no one wanted to publish the book when he was pitching it. So he, but science fiction, some science fiction magazine said they wanted to buy it as a periodical. Interesting. So he wrote chapter, but chapter as like the monthly oh, issue of Dune. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so for a while, he was just trying to keep his contract going. <laughs> um, and then uh, by the time they uh, 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 essentially said like, okay, we've got a publisher lined up that's going to do it uh, the rest of this uh, as uh, a, a published novel. Um, he's like, all right, I'll start working on the rest of the novel now. <laughs> Right. So uh, he ended up probably spending the same time, like doing a hundred thousand words after that as the actual novel, and just threw the eight eighty thousand that was already written in the front. That's inter- I didn't even know that. That's yeah. That's cool. Like I remember reading periodicals. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, I think the first re- periodicals I read were I was bored at my aunt's house and I was reading mm-hmm. Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that had some um, interesting stories. Mostly, like, I feel that mostly they were aimed towards, like, women, but... Yeah. Yeah, and you got, you got the occasional ones there. Meant size, like, uh, I mean, uh, one of the, the best-selling periodicals is actually in the comics industry with Heavy Metal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of... For, I don't know how common this is, but for me, like, the uh, like my first introduction to the comics proper was uh, X-Men and X-Force. My first introduction to comics altogether as a medium was Prince Valiant. Just... Like the comic strip? Yeah. <laughs> in comic book form or on the comic strip? Like in the comic strip. Like the first time just seeing like oh, sequential cool. art. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is neat. I like this. Right. And so then I've <laughs> with your like become a five-year-old with a subscription to the newspaper because I wanted to read my comics. Right. <laughs> yeah. Funny, I love news like the uh newspaper comics, which are fantastic. They had yeah. uh Alley wasn't my first comic I ever like read. My first comic was uh Conan. Mm. Like the old magazine format, Marvel Conans. My dad yeah. had them. He hit, he had like a stack of them, like hiding under his bed. And I don't even know what brought me in there, but like I went in there to go grab something. I was like, "What is that?" And I didn't. I don't even know. A few hours later, my dad comes looking for me, and I'm in his bedroom reading on the yeah. floor, laying down on the floor with a pillow reading. I couldn't even really read much of it, you know what I mean? Because a lot of it didn't yeah. make sense to me. But the artwork, I, I remember the artwork. Yeah, I think yeah. the dude that did the artwork, I think his name was like. Rudy something. I can't remember what his name is. I, I met him. I met him at uh PitCon one year. Mm-hmm. And he was super cool. That's awesome. Uh speaking of names, I, I do remember the uh speaking of the women writers earlier. Um like one of the biggest influences on like some of my like dialogue choices is actually Jane Austen. <laughs> I can't wait who's Jane Austen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so uh uh, it's it's always like kind of a weird thing to think about, like just the weirdest influences. I think that like I never actually read a Jane Austen, but my wife loves any movie that had to do with Jane mm-hmm. Austen stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like all the Pride and Prejudice and stuff mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, that's the only one I can think on top of my head. There's a couple of them: Pride and Prejudice and Dang it, now I'm gonna forget. Yeah. Like there were several of them, mm-hmm. and yeah. we would watch them. Like we watched. Yeah together and i was like i don't understand this and she's like this is pretty much how it's written in the book i'm like there's a book yeah <laughs> what the heck who is this yeah. person and yeah jane austen is such also an interesting character just i mean like being a social critique of england in the 1700s but then also yeah. like a lot of her motivation was just sheer spite where like everyone's not like you know you need to get married it's like well men are dumb so i'm going to write better than any of them can speak or read <laughs> right <laughs> very uh, dirty yeah, like straight up, very, very worried, yeah. and that that takes some getting used to. Because I'm like, wait a minute, you just said the same thing like three times. I don't understand that. Yes, but yep. but like, I mean, I don't know about the period, but if but like the idea, if you go by Jane Austen's writings, the idea that everyone was so eloquent in the way they talked, mm-hmm. what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm right. not very eloquent at all, but like, man, we were awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, first we uh, guillotined the nobility because we realized that uh, well. they were taxing <laughs> us a lot more than they really needed to, and then everyone else died in World War One. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's but also like. I'm sure, like, etymology is going to look back at this period, like, a thousand years from now, and we're like, 
man, they had such trains where like uh, the the these and thous are gonna be like the yeats and the wokes, yeah. and like like man, they spoke so much. Interestingly enough, yeah. yeet is an old word. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I can't even be mad at that one. Like, people are like, oh, blah, 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 yeet. And I was like, okay, that is the dumbest thing you ever yeah. said. And then I looked it up. I'm like, crap. I'd say, like, like the like, like compared to contemporarily, the second highest, like, year with, like, recorded use of yeet in writing that was, like, the same time, like, the Siege of Vienna. Right? Or something like that. <laughs> I was like, man. Like, the Ottomans were talking about. It. Yeah. The, the, other one, the other one that got me was on fleek. Right, mm. everyone was like, "Oh, my eyebrows are on fleek," and I'm like, "That is the dumbest thing." Like, what does that mean? I looked it up. Like, it was used in freaking colonial times. Yep. Like for the same thing. Uh, yep. I can't even be <laughs> mad at you anymore about for it. Like, I, I have to accept it. Like, as, yeah. as long as it, like, if it's new words that we've created for like just no apparent reason, and I'm just like, I know we do that. I know society as a whole does that. I mean, that's how words got for, started in first place. It's just yeah, like, I'm going to call us this. Yeah. Come up with some dumb things. <laughs> and But like if it's had already been created like in the past, in mm-hmm. our past, in our cultural past, then I can respect that. I don't know what it is about me, but like I can respect <laughs> that. I was like, I won't use it, but I can respect it. And if you're right. using it in the right, right terminology, like um, sus, I don't like the word sus, right? Like, <laughs> suspect suspicious just mm-hmm. use the whole word it's beautiful <laughs> and but if you use it the right way i can't get mad and mm-hmm. so people will say it's like oh blah, blah, blah. It, like it's like oh that's sus and i'm like that's not that's not right don't say <laughs> so if you're going to use it use it properly well how do you use it properly look it up i did mm-hmm. right but yeah like if they use it properly i can't i can't be mad mm-hmm. you know what i mean like at all like that's a idiosyncrasy of my own as well like I can't be mad about that. Well, it's also really to think about. This is like a Shakespearean thing, but the the phrase "no cap," as in you're calling, like saying, like, "No, this is true," or when you're calling someone out in line, saying, "Like, oh, yeah. it's cap." Same thing as Shakespearean, "Doth thy cap, sir?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you're dumb. Put your hat on and leave. <laughs> yeah, like, there's some good ones. It's just, yeah, I wish people knew why they said it. Yeah. Why they use? Oh, they heard somebody famous use it, so now they want to say it. Mm-hmm. Like, figure out, like, figure it out yourself. Do the research. Yeah. Like, I think that boils down to everything. <laughs> even, when, even like, you know, not to bring it back, or actually to bring it back around. You know, yeah. when you're doing, you know, what I mean, I don't think that you can improvise something if you haven't done your research on the thing that you're mm-hmm. improvising. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can easily say, "Oh, I just I'm going to change this," but if you've not researched, right, the dialogue or or you know. Even your your uh, your format, your layout mm. when it comes to writing and art, um, to know how to do it properly. Yeah, like you should not do that. Yeah, like the, uh, from a writing perspective, also uh, with the I mean to know which church to pivot to. Right, <laughs> it's research on like okay, which Protestant church at a midnight mass in London in 1940. Uh, <laughs> the amount of like weird that but uh <laughs> what resulted in me getting a really weird google history um uh so we talked about this on wednesday wham uh a while ago but um in you know in writing you have the concept of the buy-in uh where if you can you can do a throw throw a line uh to explain why something has to be the way that it is and if you use it sparingly then the audience will usually buy into your premise right uh so, you know, 
uh, Wolf Hunter. Uh, it's on. A, it's set in one train during wartime, uh, looking for some stolen goods. Why didn't they just, you know, forcibly search all the car- carriage? <laughs> in 1939, the official pri- uh, the official secrecy act was passed in by the London Chamber, which said that people and this is their version of like the Third Amendment, where uh, search and seizure. No, search, it's a seizure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, where um, and uh, they were saying like, yeah, without uh, rightful reason, individuals' uh, belongings cannot be searched by a member of the government unless it is related to. Um, uh, like uh, official business related to the state, and that also included provisions to then give the government more ability to actually like hunt down on spies. So when they found someone, they gave them they gave them more rights to go, actually go into like a personal space. They gave them more tools to like actually like you know uh, research an individual if they suspected them as of being a spy. But for the average person, it gave them protections because you knew that you, like just going between London and Liverpool, your stuff wasn't going to get searched, right? And so, like, well, they can't do that because they're going to be breaking the official secrecy act, which is a fairly, very new law. So, for having someone who has been in the laboratory the entire time to not know about it, makes sense that then someone who works in logistics would need to explain that law to them, right? <laughs> so it's, I'm like, oh, this is perfect because it explains why they can't do the thing. It's new, so I have reason to put put it in, <laughs> but. uh the amount of research to figure out how to put this one line in there that I realized needed <laughs> to happen. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the like on the uh, the uh, the like official British government's like public records search, going back on lies from laws from the 1930s. <laughs> like no normal person is going to like see this document ever. And I'm yeah, but you'll get so- that you'll be that person. <laughs> that one person. Yeah, like. Like, oh, you know what? That wouldn't have happened because of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, exactly. hey, you're right. Like, no prize award goes to you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like, I get that. Like, I've, I've had people, like, for my, my superhero book that I did, they, uh, like, well, that's not how, you, you called him friction, but that's not friction. That's, like, channeling electricity. I was like, I know. It's, it's, I know that. Yeah. When when you cause friction and whatnot, you know what I mean. Yeah. It has no electrical electricity, really, no electricity like properties whatsoever. But yeah. I like the name. <laughs> like I don't need to explain it. I like the name. Or, so. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like maybe the frick name of the book isn't because of the powers he has. How do you know it's not the things that are trying to stop him from reaching his goal? All what? Right. <laughs> there you go. But man. Like was that it? No, that wasn't no. it at all. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, so this is. Uh, so we we're about uh, uh, closing in on the end of the show. So I did have uh, some ideas to to work on the theme of improvisation. And for those of you uh, familiar with my background, know that I have a history in community theater, um, both as an actor and as a writer. And I have worked in improv as well. Uh, so I have a bunch of. Weird resources. Speaking of weird research, uh, saved up on improv games. <laughs> it that that is weird. <laughs> yeah. So my only stint into any kind of improv is that um, I used to do live action role playing. Yes. Right. Perfect. I did, yeah. I did. I did vampires. So like, you yes. had to improvise your character and your own personal dialogues and stuff. Yep. So. Yeah. And and uh, you know, it's. Uh, 
uh, role playing of any kind, I feel like is a great way of getting into storytelling in general because it, it, it's especially when you're working on something like comics where it is a collaborative field where there's a lot of back and forth. You know, you're already in there or you're working with your other members of your uh, cohort and your game master just bouncing hands back and forth. Right. Yeah. So uh, the the first game I have is uh, I have a couple of games set up for for just two people. If uh, I had another one that if we had Aaron or uh, Clinton here that work uh, well, the Lord are are good for just two people. Uh, we've used them uh, on stage for some really funny moments. Um, the first one is fortunately, unfortunately. Okay. So the way this game works is uh, one of us will present uh, a statement that would lead up to a story. So I might say that uh, John drove to the pharmacy. The next person would say, fortunately, uh, traffic was uh, clear that day. The next person, and they'll say a phrase or a sentence that falls under that. The next person then says, unfortunately, uh, his air conditioner was not working. <laughs> and, and so he just bounced back and forth presenting a fortunate statement to better his story and an unfortunate statement to make his story worse or whatever you're doing until you come to a conclusion of the story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was uh, one where me and uh, I think it was uh, Crystal who was my, my other in this, uh, winter doing this ended up doing a uh, uh, story that eventually resulted in a uh, magical unicorn in a <laughs> land of dreams with a crippling heroin addiction addiction <laughs> uh, uh, finding um, uh, a uh, adoptive family uh, <laughs> rise our best friend Odeed. Wow. <laughs> so, like, it's like it's a narrative. But right. you just kind of it, it takes you to some weird uh, unexpected places because you're agreeing with something that someone's presenting with them, but you're figuring out how to work stakes one way or the other. Okay. Yeah. And do you have to alternate back and forth? It has to be yeah, fortunate to be a... and then unfortunate and then fortunate. And then yes. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how these go. We're just going to do a little bit of improv games to, to end the night here. Uh, <laughs> uh, just because it. it they're usually always fun, and uh, uh, it, it kind of gets your mind thinking about ways you can uh, pivot when you need to or <laughs> change things. All right, up. Roland, yeah. don't judge us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, do you want to start, or should I? Oh no, no, you start. Okay. All Wait, right. do I go fortunate first? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. 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 So then I'll I just present a phrase, then you go fortunately, and then I go unfortunately. Okay. All right. Uh see there uh, i don't know if anyone is in chat to feed us anything it looks like we're uh kind of quiet tonight uh so we are going to then uh borrow uh uh okay um let's see here uh Going to use kind of something, something kind of vague. Uh, Gerard uh, was leaving the village. Okay, Gerard was leaving the village. 
fortunately, his neighbor gave him a, a pig. Unfortunately, uh, it was raining that day, and he had to track the pig through mud. Fortunately, he had an umbrella to cover himself. Unfortunately, uh, he had a hole in his shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fortunately, the rain did not last very long. Unfortunately, he still had uh, several miles to go. Fortunately, he knew the direction to go. Unfortunately, uh, there were bandits on the road. Fortunately, his pig was trained well to attack. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, the uh, bandits... uh, And this is kind of where we get into like the kind of the tricky part because you don't want to just like with improv it's always yes and so you don't want to just like curtail someone's thing you right. so you, you try to work. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, him and the pig were still outnumbered. Hmm. Fortunately. That's a tough one, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fortunately, someone came to help. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, they tripped as they entered into the fight. Fortunately, the fall did not break his bow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Unfortunately, uh, the bandits were able to uh, get behind Gerard. Hmm. Fortunately, Gerard knew how to ride his pig. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, the bandits took the stranger hostage. (laughs) Fortunately, Gerard did not know him. So then at that point, you might just say, because uh, the, the point is to, to, to get to a resolution of the conflict. So I might just say that uh, and Gerard was able to ride, uh, was able to ride his pig uh, uh, 
uh, down the road to the other town. I didn't say he was valiant. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, that's how that game works. You just go back and forth until eventually the unfortunately person just says, and the story concludes. <laughs> Yeah, it's great story of Gerard, the uh, a villager who was gifted a pig, and right. Gerard, <laughs> his mighty pig, had one of the worst walks until uh, he, he eventually abandoned someone and rode his pig off into the sunset. He's like, "Thank you." <laughs> that needs to be in a story somewhere. Yes, Gerard and his mighty pig. Yeah, I wasn't even sure where to go with that one. Like that, I was like, um, wait a minute, pigs can get pretty big. Mm-hmm. Like he could ride the pig. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Like I've seen that happen with kids. Oh <laughs> uh, no, he also didn't establish how how big Gerard is. He might have been a short oh, man. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And Gerard is like dancing. <laughs> I can't even say that. I think Danzig's still like six foot or something. But uh, what's the name? There's <laughs> there's this dude in um, Harley Quinn where uh, she broke off from, you know what I mean, from yeah. Joker and whatnot, was doing her own thing. And one of the guys, I think it was like the, like the owner of the building she lived in, the museum she lived in, uh, was this really short, short person. Oh, yeah. And uh, I apologize, that's not the right term, but um, he looked like Glenn Danzig. Like, his hair, <laughs> get long, straight hair, and whatnot. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that's what I meant when I, when I was like, oh, it could be Danzig, but like, that's what I meant because that dude's a yeah. monster of Danzig. That's hilarious. Oh, that. Okay, so. <laughs> So I'll do one more game to end the night, and this one is uh, one of my favorites. And also, this is something that if you ever watched a bit of Fry and Laurie, which is an old uh, British sketch show with uh, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry, which I I think is some of the best television they've Wait, ever remade. Hugh Laurie did a sketch comedy thing. He did a sketch. Yeah, he, he was originally a comedian, and he did a sketch comedy show with Stephen Fry, and it is uh, most of it's on YouTube now, but it is so good. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, we don't we, we don't explore on the show too often, but the, I'm going to have to quote the name of an episode here. But they have a, a sketch called uh, "Bitch Mother, Please," <laughs> which is about a uh, a a, a uh, just using this 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 concept a little bit. But it is a uh, barber who speaks far too eloquently, like Jane Austen on steroids. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and it just. Kilori is a normal person trying to get a a haircut from Stephen Fry, who is just going on and on waxing poetical. That's fantastic. <laughs> um. Uh. The so this game is called Questions Only. Uh. So the way this game works is uh kind of like the same thing where we're setting a scene, but it's a scene that that we're the characters in. And uh, we have to yes and it, but we have to speak in questions only. So it's not so much as like there might be a conflict trying to resolve as much as there is a concept we're trying to conclude where, you know, we might be trying to figure something out. And it's it it sounds like, you know, a British detective thing where everyone's going to like, well, what about this? And how does this work? 
well, I think this might work. What do you think? And then we just pass these okay. back. Yeah, back and forth, speaking in questions only. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, let's see there. Uh, yeah, there isn't anything out there. And, uh, uh, oh, and then there's the rules if you want to do this with multiple people and kind of do it uh, a bit more like uh, have someone come in from an off. They're, 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 because I worked in, in improv theater, there are rules for like if you're doing this as like an improv show, like how you would bring someone onto the oh, stage gotcha. to play something. Yeah. But just as like the game itself, it's just back and forth until we feel like we have you run into a dead end or have resolved the concept okay <laughs> yeah uh uh hey phil leon you're in for our, our last half hour here we are we've talked about uh quite a bit in the front half and talked about improvising in comics um how you might pivot things and now we're finishing up with some uh improv uh uh improvisational comedy games pulling on some experience in uh, role-playing and uh, my, my work in uh, improv theater. Uh, so, uh, actually, if, uh, uh, Phil, if you're still in chat, if you if you have a concept or a, a problem that needs to be solved, if you could feed us the, uh, the subject for this quest- game of questions only, where uh, Jose and I can speak in only questions. Only question. Yes. See if uh, Phil has an idea or if we have uh, scared him away. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, improv? Whoa. These guys. Hmm, don't know. Okay. Fair. All right. Okay. Let's see what... That's an interesting photo. Uh... Okay. Trying to get something fed in here. Okay, here we go. All right. So we are in a living room together, together, and uh, as we are going to uh, change the channel, we can't find the remote. Okay. Uh, so if you want to, uh, I'll let you, if you want to start with this one, I'll let you since I started the last one. Okay. Where did you put the remote? I uh, could you explain what you're talking about? You know, that thing that clicks the TV, where did you put it? Well, I didn't touch it. Where's the last place you saw it? It was on the table, but do you see it there now? Didn't I tell you to move your your books off the table a week ago? 
my books are not the issue. They will remain there as long as they need to be, if that's all right with you. Hmm. I don't think that was a question. Is I, that all right with you? There you go. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. Uh, they can sit there for now. But did you check uh, under the couch cushions? Why would they be under the couch cushions? Well, don't you have that thing where if you stand up sometimes, your things might fall around or, or fall of your pocket into the couch? Do you think I have holes in my pocket? Well, I don't know. Do you wear basketball shorts often? They have big pockets. <laughs> Are you going to get up off your cushion? Well, I suppose I could, but uh, are you right? If I if I might knock one of your books with my knees, I got clicky knees. <laughs> well, if you knock it over, you're going to pick it up, right? Well, if I pick it up, then uh, I guess you have to deal with me. Uh, Putting it, putting it back somewhere else, but you're not, but you're not going to throw a fit, right? I don't know. Are you going to find the remote? <laughs> Man, this is like having a conversation with my kids. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while, so yeah, it, it is definitely something you're like, like man, this is, <laughs> if people actually talk like this, it'd be annoying. <laughs> I'm going to get my kids to talk like this. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, yes, I'll be fine the remote. Uh, but are you going to uh, make me watch another one of your weird movies? Of course I'm going to make you watch one of my weird movies. You love them, right? <laughs> love is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no chance I could maybe persuade you to uh, flip the channel to something else. <laughs> there's nothing else on TV. What would you want to watch? Well, I don't know, but I think would <laughs> I think Spike is showing uh Die Hard again, would that work? <laughs> Does it look like Christmas outside? <laughs> Just because it's a Christmas movie doesn't mean you can only watch it on Christmas. Do you stop watching other movies when it comes to Christmas and only watch Christmas movies? <laughs> Don't you? No, I watch uh, other things. It, wouldn't it feel weird if it was only... If we, if we limited to only one thing at a time? One theme? Are you saying that you watch Young Frankenstein when it's not Halloween? 
I'm saying I watch Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, nearly every chance I get. Are you even American? (laughs) 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 Yes, and that movie's a national treasure. Uh, (laughs) Why would you not watch it? Because I don't want to oversaturate myself with it so that I enjoy it the next time I watch it. Why would you watch it every day? Wouldn't you get bored? I'm not saying I watch it every day, but don't you think that like once every other month is like sufficient? (laughs) Or is that too much for you? No, I guess that would be acceptable. But it's a moot point. Are you going to find the remote? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, uh, isn't that it uh, over there on the uh, kitchen table? That's the telephone. Don't you think I would know what a remote looks like? (laughs) I don't know. You only had your cataract surgery recently. (laughs) 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 I guess you're right. It's under the cushion. Anyway. (laughs) I wasn't sure where I was going to go after that good. <laughs> Nailed the landing. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was pretty cool. I like that one. Yeah. Like I said, no. that was like talking to my kids. Yeah. Like everything's in a question with them. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah, didn't you like blah, 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 blah? I was like, yeah, but did you die? Yeah. Yeah, but, but do you? And yeah, I, I love I love improv games. I, I mean, it is hard to come back to it after you've been out of it for so long. But I think they also make for great like road trip games if you're trying to. Right, I can see that. Yeah, when you were doing it for for improv and whatnot, was there a time limit? Like I know, like we're kind of like laughing and just chilling and whatnot. But like, how snappy a response did you have to be? I forgot something unusual on the bridge. Okay, we'll get that one. That'll, that'll be our last one of the night. All right. Uh, but yeah, um, it, there was so it was you had to be snappy. Um, the way it worked uh, typically is uh, your your cohort would be three to four people. If you're in a class, you had like a class of like twenty thirty people, and then you had broken up into cohorts. Or if you're just doing like a, a show, each cohort would handle a game or a section, and then they'd do another. And you had maybe like five to ten minutes to do something. Okay. And the idea was the things you established beforehand was you'd have one person start it and one person would end it. Usually, if it's you'd have like the opposing people's like how you started it, I'd ended it. Um, and uh, the uh, uh, and you you do the same thing where you just kind of go back and forth until uh, someone's like, 
still someone who's checking the clock would say, oh, and I solved the issue. Um, The the anti-climax became kind of is kind of a staple of of improv. (laughs) But um, and you have things set up where if someone is taking too long or if they were very clearly lost, um, you'd almost as being that person, um, there's kind of the rule was you don't break character, but you, you the unspoken rules you'd kind of play into it so they get the audience laughing to know that you're dying at that moment, right? And, and then, um, you'd have some one of the members of your cohort would be on the wings and they would come in and ask the next question to tag you out. Oh, nice. <laughs> so they had, so if something happened, you know, like, uh, well, what are you doing about this? And if they didn't have an answer, like, you sent the person to come with the wings and, like, Hey Brian, didn't you leave that thing on fire? Nice. <laughs> Shouldn't you go put okay, that out? Cool. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd go back and forth on that, and then yeah, you do that until the scene resolved. And so you might have moments where like the original cohort, the original two of the cohort come back on, or if ever, like everyone comes on at the one second, so everyone's just missed around doing stuff and just yelling questions at each other across <laughs> the stage. Um uh yeah. And then there are other ones where we do um uh uh, sometimes we're doing something where we have plants in the audience where to be other cohorts who would sit in the audience and then they'd get involved at some point and then everyone else so, and they had to make sure to sit away from the other members of the, the company or whatever so when something happens and then and they get involved or if you're also everyone in the audience just turns and is like it's that added shock factor so it's always a little bit of like snap to it but also you, you know that you have people that you can rely on to kind of <laughs> bail out if you need it right that's cool. I've never done that. That's 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 kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, like I've it, seen like on shows and whenever people talk mm-hmm. about taking improv stuff, but like, yeah, like I've never actually experienced that. That was neat. Yeah, and most community colleges have um, theater classes that do improv. Um, They're pretty affordable. Even just like they might even just offer like, community improv classes, which are like usually very cheap. Uh, and there's always. If like uh, community theaters will also do generally like classes and stuff too as well that might even just be free sometimes, right? So and I, think, I think now that you mentioned, I think my my fourteen uh, year old, I think that her because she's in a um, she's in a performing arts school mm. and she wanted to take take a theater where you know she was musical theater where she was on stage singing and dancing and stuff like that, but she ended up taking just theater which was like going through different dialogues with each other yeah and, and i believe that she mentioned that she did improv as well and i didn't think it was something like that but that's cool yeah yeah and that's how i got started it was a was theater class and it eventually did lead into musical theater and you know uh doing um anything goes where i got to uh use a bad british accent and tap dance yeah. but uh um it, it just starts out like very basics is just learning how to exist on stage and put out energy right um, yeah so we'll 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 end the night uh, before before we get to ending that proper. We'll, we'll hit Phil, uh, Phil's suggestion here, trying to figure out something unusual in the fridge. That's interesting. Uh, so we'll hit this one. I'll do questions only again. Um, I'll start it off, and then yeah. you can you can end it when you feel as as appropriate. <laughs> and yeah, and usually they end it is by doing oh and, <laughs> and yeah. All right. Uh, so we're trying to figure out something unusual in the fridge. Uh, uh, hey, Jose, do you know what this is? <laughs> what that thing next to the milk? Yeah, that thing next to the milk. Uh, 
I I don't I don't remember picking it up. Did you get this? I didn't get that. But why does it have hair? That's that's my question. Um, yeah. So you have no idea how long it's been in there. <laughs> I have no clue how long that's been. Did it just wink on me? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 well, I don't know, but, um, I, the, I don't know. Does it look like it's vibrating? Maybe. <laughs> if I give you $5, will you lick it? I'll do a lot of things for $5, but. No. Do you think that will get me like sick? <laughs> I'm fairly certain that either will that will put you in the hospital or kill you. But do you have insurance? Uh, yes, uh, my work has insurance. Uh, but I does this seem like anything to be covered by any copay? <laughs> I don't think that's from this planet. Don't you think that looks disgusting? It looks like uh, something I saw on Sci-Fi Channel once. Uh, uh, well, do you think we can throw that in the trash, or is that like does it need to go into like biological containment? <laughs> um, that should not go into the trash. Something will eat it. <laughs> Do you have a radiation suit? <laughs> well, I have plenty of COVID masks still, but I don't think that's going to cut it. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think? I uh, is it moving? That's not right. <laughs> that's not right at all. I think you should put it back and close the fridge. Yeah, I think. Don't you think that would kill us all? <laughs> it it kind it, it kind of looks a thing like the thing that the uh, the neighbor showed us on their door cam. <laughs> uh, do do you think it broke in? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it did, how did it open the fridge? But uh, I mean, well, don't don't things like you, you know ra- raccoons or possums don't they have like working thumbs? I don't think I've seen a raccoon or possum around here in quite some time. <laughs> Do you think this thing may have eaten them? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to think about what kind of implications this might be having for our local ecosystem. <laughs> uh, do Do you think you can uh uh find me some of the uh the uh, uh gloves under the sink? <laughs> I could, but do you want to wear the green ones or the pink ones? Uh, 
I'll take whatever I can get. Do you think this thing cares what color is graphing it? <laughs> I mean, you would care what your casket looks like, right? Would I if I'm dead? <laughs> That's a fair point. I think we need... Do you think we need to set it on fire? Like that movie, The Thing? Yeah, I mean, it worked on that, right? True, but I don't have a flamethrower. Would our homeowner's insurance cover <laughs> setting our kitchen on fire? <laughs> I mean, does that count as act of God? <laughs> does this look like anything God would send? <laughs> Probably not. And how do I end again? <laughs> uh, you, you just say uh, and and then figure out some way to, right. to solve the issue. Okay. And I think the garbage disposal is the best option. <laughs> that, this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. That was just hummus. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little tricky. We yeah. kept everything like one little area. That was neat. Good. That was good. Thanks, like Phil. <laughs> yeah. Good suggestion, Phil. I uh, hope you guys in, have a good rest of your week. And until that time, remember to make mine silver line. Thank you for listening to the Silver Line Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.